hear now God's holy, infallible, and inerrant word. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God and to enjoy than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. And by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. So ends the reading of God's word. May he bless it. Let's pray together. Father, we do acknowledge that this is your word and that you do speak to us through it. We do acknowledge that we need your spirit to help us to understand these things rightly, to apply them to our hearts, even for me to speak clearly and understandably. We pray for your spirit to do all these things this morning. May we be attentive children hearing our Father speak his words of love and grace and comfort to us this morning. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. It's without question that Moses is one of the most significant characters of the Old Testament by virtue of the fact of all the works that God did through Moses. It was by the hand of Moses that God delivered his people out of slavery in Egypt. It was by Moses or through Moses that God gave his holy law. It was by the hand of Moses that he led his people through the wilderness up into the promised land. We could say that it was by Moses that God established his people as a kingdom and his own treasured possession. But all these visible outward works that God did through Moses are actually not in view in this particular passage that we have from Hebrews chapter 11, but the inward work of faith that God did in Moses. I mean, Moses is significant because of what God did through him, but God, as God worked those things as he was working faith in Moses. So each of these examples of faith in Hebrews are give us a specific perspective on a definition of faith or uh, a spe- specific perspective about what it means to live by faith. And from Moses, what we can see is that faith chooses Christ as king. And faith chooses to live in the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as Americans, we might not feel like we are in a kingdom, but Scripture declares that there's really two kingdoms at that exist. There's the kingdom of the world, and there's the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And faith compels us to submit to the kingdom of our Lord. So, kids, if you uh, think about what it means for a, what, what a kingdom has, 
And you could probably think of a few things right off the bat. You can think of, well, kingdom obviously has a king that rules over the kingdom, but also a kingdom has a people that submits to the king, but also uh, the king gives gifts or blessings or rewards to his people. Uh, those are all parts of a kingdom, maybe gifts of protection or uh, respect or provision. And we see all three of those things in this passage. So as we look at, at the faith of Moses, we'll see that uh, faith chooses which king to serve, faith chooses a people to belong to, and faith chooses what rewards to seek. So if you're here this morning and you would not consider yourself a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then I would hope that you would hear that there are true and tangible benefits of being a member of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our God has promised to be for us and to be a strong refuge for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? And if God is our refuge and our strength, what foe could prevail against us? And so as we work our way through this passage, I want you to consider the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ invites you into his kingdom, calls you to submit to it, and I would hope that today you would respond to that invitation and follow him. And if you do consider yourself a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then I hope that this passage would deepen and strengthen the roots of your faith as you seek to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. But let's begin by considering the faith of Moses by starting by with the fact that faith chooses what king to serve. The people of Israel had been in Egypt for hundreds of years because God had provided a place for them through the hand of Joseph, but hundreds of years had gone by and the people had multiplied. God had caused them to multiply and there was a new Pharaoh who, was, who didn't know Joseph and he was concerned about this population growth and did not trust that these people would be um, faithful or loyal to Egypt. And so he devised a plan to deal with this population growth. He spoke to the Israelite midwives and he said, anytime there is a baby boy, kill that son. But the midwives feared God rather than the king, and they refused. And so Pharaoh then expanded the reach of his infanticide, and he said, all the people, anytime there is a Hebrew son, cast him into the Nile and kill him. But if there's a daughter, she may live. So when Moses was born... God worked faith in his parents. And a couple, two different things happened. The first thing that happened was God gave them, gave them insight that this child was different. Our text says that he was a beautiful child. Acts chapter 7 says that they recognized that he was no ordinary child. God had 
intense plans for this child, and he protected them by giving, by, protected him by giving the parents insight into this fact. And as a result, that faith that the midwives experienced now was mimicked by his parents, and they chose to hide baby Moses and protect his life. And they did this, our text says, because they did not fear the edict of the king. And as Moses grew, that, that faith that his parents had was carried on, passed along, even to Moses. He grew up in Pharaoh's household. Um, Pharaoh's daughter drew him out of water, out of the water, and he was raised in Pharaoh's household. And Jewish tradition actually holds that Pharaoh had no other children other than that daughter, and that the daughter actually had no children of her own. And so if that is true, then then Moses himself would have been next in line after Pharaoh. So he was raised in this household. As the next in line in over all over Egypt, and yet our text says, and the Old Testament shows us that he refused to be considered the daughter of Pharaoh. And in fact, there's that incident that we just read where he saw his people being mistreated and he killed an Egyptian, choosing to rather side with the people of God. And eventually he left Egypt, refusing to consider Egypt his homeland. He he sought allegiance with a different king. He had his eyes fixed on God as his king. And he did so, our text says, because he did not fear the king. Beloved, what we have to see is that faith makes us fearless. Not with a rugged, self-imposed boldness, but with trust in our king. Um, Moses had his eyes set on the king of Israel, the one whom he knew could protect him over against Pharaoh, despite how much power, influence, prestige Pharaoh had, God would protect him. And beloved, Scripture is very clear that the Lord Jesus Christ is the true King of kings and Lord of lords. God has said that all all authority on heaven and earth has been given to him. He has been exalted into the heavenly places, seated at the right hand of God Almighty with all authority. And as we heard in Hebrews earlier in our study, we don't yet see his authority worked out in the midst of life. And yet by faith, we cling to his authoritative rule and reign over all things. We see and feel sin affecting our own hearts and also our experience. And yet we trust by faith that Christ is reigning supreme. And that faith makes us bold and fearless. And we obviously don't have Pharaoh 
ruling over us. But isn't it true that we feel the tyranny of the world in our daily experience? We feel the anger of this world, the kingdom of this world, worked out through popular opinion and godlessness. And beloved, we should expect that that will increase and continue. But we should not fear. The, the kingdom of this world, just like Pharaoh, rules by fear. We should expect hostility. We should expect persecution, but we must not fear it because we can trust that our king will fight for us. Our king will protect us, and that is where our hope must be. The Lord Jesus Christ said, do not fear the one who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Fear him who can kill both body and cast soul, the soul into hell. Our king is strong and secure, and we are safe in his arms. So true faith trusts in this king and submits ourselves to it. So, beloved, rest in the strong and loving power of the king of kings. That is where our hope is. Walk in confidence and confident obedience to him. Fear makes us shrink back. Fear makes us afraid to be faithful. Faith propels us to faithfulness, even in spite of the world's rage. So we, uh, faith chooses a king, but faith also chooses a people. Beloved, as we choose Jesus Christ as our king, as we put our faith in him, that unites us to his people. That makes us part of his people. So we are choosing to be part of his people. And so did Moses. I mean, Moses was born as an Israelite, born to Levite parents, hidden for three months, and yet uh, his mother put him in, threw him into the Nile, but not, in, not to destroy him, but to deliver him. And he was drawn out by Pharaoh's daughter, and he, for 40 years, lived as an Egyptian. 40 years. And yet, our text says that he, when he was grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose to be mistreated with the people of God. So consider how remarkable that is. He was indoctrinated with the education system of Egypt. He was fed the philosophies of the world, even the Egyptian religion, the, the Egyptian worldview became, was, he was, he consumed it, he was surrounded by it, he was brought up in it, all the news that he heard was filled with that worldview, his friends, his co-workers, his neighbors, all Egyptians, everything was Egyptian. And he wasn't just a participant in it, but he was being groomed to be a leader. He was in Pharaoh's household, perhaps next to own the Egyptian worldview. And yet, despite all of that, he chose 
to throw all that away and to join with the people of God. Or rather, he chose to be joined to the people of God. And when we connect with God's people, when we pick a allegiance, a kingdom, there are practical implications for that. It causes us to choose between the pleasures of this world, it says the fleeting pleasures of this world, or to walk by faith in a heavenly hope. And beloved, kingdoms demand allegiance. And so for him to choose to be associated with the people of God meant he would be mistreated with the people of God. He would be aligning himself with that slave state that was under the oppression of Egypt. That was his choice. And beloved, that type of choice is not easy for us to make. It takes faith in order to choose the kingdom of Christ as opposed to the kingdom of this world. It requires us to have faith in a kingdom that will never fail and a king who will never die who will give us rewards that are beyond compare. And yet it it has practical implications for us in this life. I mean, the world tells us that the here and now is all that there is. Nonsense about anything beyond the grave. There's no such thing as eternity. Live for now. And beloved, if, if that is true, then the most foolish thing that we could do is to put our faith in something eternal. We ought to eat and drink, for tomorrow we shall die. That's where our hope should be, living it up in the here and now. And beloved, God's word, we have to reckon with God's word, God's holy word. God's word comes to us as a proclamation from a king, a king who declares that the world's wisdom is foolishness. It's a tragic, tragic folly to believe that this life is all that there is. Only the kingdom of Christ, beloved, will prevail. Only the king of kings will reign forever and ever. Our hope must be in that. But that means that we choose. To choose that means we choose to be mistreated. That's what Moses chose, to to be mistreated with the people of God. Charles Spurgeon said, um, that last phrase, like nobody wants to be mistreated. I certainly don't want to be mistreated. But he said that that last part of that, to be mistreated with the people of God, with the people of God, that's the sweetener for the bitterness of that affliction. Because, beloved, that's where the good news is. Because our Lord Jesus Christ was mistreated. He was, he was perfect. He was perfectly righteous. He unjustly suffered in every way. And he said that we will suffer as his people. And so to be mistreated with the people of God is validation that we are united to him. It's validation that we don't belong in this world, that we are living as exiles and strangers, 
that we have a heavenly home and this isn't it. And that is wonderful news, beloved. There's, there's comfort, there should be comfort for you that we are mistreated together and that we are reproached together because we can pray for each other. We can encourage one another. We can hold one another together as we're headed to our heavenly home. We can rely on the strength of our king together. There is great hope there. And we, again, should expect that mistreatment. We can't fear it. We should not fear it. In fact, we, Scripture goes further to say that we should rejoice. And that's, that's a bitter pill to swallow. It's hard, to, it's hard to accept mistreatment, much less rejoice in it. But that's what, that's what our Savior said on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets before you. Can you accept the mistreatment of God, knowing that that is the path to glory? True faith accepts it, lives in it, walks in it, expects it. And rejoices in it. And beloved, you know, we would love to be able to pick and choose. But it doesn't work that way. We have to choose a path. We have to choose a kingdom. And to choose one means we forsake the other. And we walk in the, the kingdom that we choose. These kingdoms are at war. You cannot pick and choose. You can't straddle the fence between the two. It is one or the other. And beloved, uh, there are some of us here that are currently facing significant trials in our lives. And as difficult as those are, God's word, as hard as it for, as for me to say, God's word is, says rejoice. Rejoice in the midst of those trials. And I was, we can rejoice in that, beloved, because, because we have a Savior who understands and has endured. We have a Savior who will save us from these trials. But we also have a Savior who came to be like us, to feel and experience these trials that we are enduring. And if you can bear it now, he feels your trials now. Paul was on the way to Damascus and the Lord Jesus Christ appeared in glory to him. Saul was in the midst of persecuting the Christians and the Lord Jesus Christ said, why are you persecuting me? He, our Savior, identifies with us. We have union with him so that when we are persecuted, when we face trials, he suffers with us. And this is our king and our priest who intercedes for us, beloved. Uh, Peter wrote in 1 Peter, 
He said, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Beloved, that's, that's where the joy comes. The joy comes from knowing that our suffering is because we are united to our, our Savior and that he is united to us, that he is suffering with us and that his glory will be revealed. It gives us a longing for the day when all these trials are done and our faith has been proved genuine to the end. It is evidence, beloved, that we are united to him. It is surety of our salvation and that is worth rejoicing over. It's not easy, but it's worth it to make this choice because our God offers true rewards. Faith chooses what rewards to seek. Moses made this choice. He said, it says that he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. I mean, the treasures of Egypt were staggering. And if the Jewish tradition was right, that was all his for the taking. But he chose the reproach of Christ as a greater reward. If you think about the treasures of the United States, I mean, we have some pretty amazing treasures ourselves. We have great financial treasure. We have great uh, natural treasure Yellowstone, Grand Canyon, our mountains, rivers, oceans, lakes. We have great technological treasures. We have great treasures by way of people and cities and all sorts of things. And beloved, even if somebody were to offer us all of that, if somebody was to offer you all of that, the reproach of Christ is a greater treasure than that. And here's the thing, the Lord Jesus Christ offers that to you. He gives you that as a gift because he gives you himself. He offers you himself. No one has ever offered you the treasures of this country and yet Christ offers you himself forever and ever. And beloved, accept this gift even knowing that it comes at the cost of the reproach of Christ on the path to glory. Our Savior himself, he had, he had to make this choice and he chose to establish an enduring kingdom with true riches over accepting the treasures of this life. The, the devil took him to a high point and he showed him all the kingdoms of the earth, not just Egypt, and he said, all this I will give you if only you bow down to me. And Jesus refused. He chose the path of suffering. He chose to be born into poverty and suffering, to be brutally, shamefully, and unjustly led to a cross, to be publicly humiliated. He did that to secure eternal riches for you and me. He did it because his eyes were fixed on his reward. His, it was the joy set before him. And beloved, God was faithful. God raised him from the dead. God 
seated him with all authority, not just over all the kingdoms of the world, but all authority in heaven and on earth forever and ever with an eternal reign. Our God was faithful to reward him for his faithfulness. And that king has sent his spirit to dwell in you and me, to walk by faith, holding out for that eternal reward and recognizing that nothing this world provides could ever compare with what he promises to us in his son. He has given us infinite wealth in his son, Jesus Christ, and we must cling to it. And a large portion of that reward is salvation, the riches of salvation and eternal life in his name. And what our, our passage shows us is that those gifts of salvation and eternal life are only for those in his kingdom, only for those who have put their faith in Christ. Moses observed the Passover. He, um, he believed what God said, that God was going to bring the destroyer and he was going to kill the firstborn of all, but he sprinkled blood on the doorposts. And by faith, he, he encouraged all of Israel to do the same. And by faith, they were protected from the destroyer. The destroyer did not kill the Israelite firstborns. But not so the Egyptians. By their lack of faith, the destroyer went through and killed every one of the firstborns. And when they even came to the Red Sea, they were saved by, through their faith. They, Pharaoh eventually let Israel go. But as soon as they had left, he changed his mind, and so he pursued after them with his army. The Red Sea was in front of them, Egyptian army behind, but God saved Israel. He, by their faith, he, he parted the Red Sea, and by faith they passed across as on dry ground, but not so the Egyptians. Even though God had, the, the rivers were still parted, and they, as they went to cross, by their lack of faith, they were drowned and consumed. And beloved, the same is tr true for us. It's by faith, Christ is our Passover lamb. He's been sacrificed. By his blood, we are protected from the coming destroyer who will judge for all time. But not so those who are apart from Christ. There will be no escape from God's judgment on the last day. And like the parting of the Red Sea, we also are saved from the waters of death because we are baptized into the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Savior Jesus Christ has died for us, but he's also been raised to new life. He's passed through death unto life and will never die again. And for us who are baptized into him, by faith, we too will pass from death to life safely, but not so those who are apart from Christ. There will be no escape from God's, the waters of God's judgment. Beloved, this, these rewards are only for those who are in the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so by faith, we cling to our King and cling to the rewards that he gives us only in his name. 
But here's the good news, beloved, is that God offers us, invites us to membership in his kingdom. It comes by faith. He says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and he makes you part of his kingdom. He becomes your king. He will fight and protect you and deliver you through death to life. If you've never put your faith in Christ, then hear now, your king, the king of kings and lord of lords, invites you to be part of his kingdom. Today is the day of salvation. Salvation is only for those in his kingdom. So trust in him. The king urges you to put your faith in him so that he might deliver you safely. Just a quick uh, few final points of application that I want to draw out on this passage before we close. Just two. First is I want to talk to the kids, students. I want you to see the blessing that Moses had and to consider how God has blessed you. Moses is held up for us with this, as this man of great faith. God obviously did wonderful things through Moses. But where, how, how did Moses receive his faith? Where, where did that, that faith come from? I would say that our passage tells us that it, it was a faith that God gave to him through his parents. God had set him apart as a member of the people of God. He had made him an Israelite. He had marked him with the sign of the covenant community. And the faith that he received from his parents who protected him was passed along to, to Moses. He became this mighty uh, man of faith that God used greatly. And beloved kids and students, don't miss out on the fact that God has loved you with that same intense love. He has put you into families where your parents love you and have shared, you, shared with you the love of Jesus Christ. If you've been baptized, that means that you have been marked by God and set apart as his children. And your parents bring you to church where you can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaimed clearly, and it's for you. That faith that your parents have and have exhibited is for you. It is God's way of honoring and loving you. And so don't fight it. Delight in it. Learn from them. Listen to them. Honor them as your parents. God has given them to you as a gift. Second thing I want to highlight is just we can't miss the fact that faith, what we see in Moses is that faith isn't just a belief. Faith is a, it, it results in action. Moses' parents believed that God would protect their child. So they hid him. They didn't just trust. They took action. Moses believed he belonged with the people of God. And he took action. He refused to be called Pharaoh's son, or the, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He left Egypt. They didn't just believe that the destroyer was going to come. They sprinkled the blood on their doorposts. They didn't just believe that God would keep the waters parted. They walked through 
the parted waters. Faith takes action. But beloved, the other side of it is that, that action and works must be done in faith. Because look at the, the story of the, the, the Red Sea. The, the Israelites were able to pass by faith. But when the Egyptians did the exact same thing, even though the waters were parted, they were destroyed by their lack of faith. Faith will work, as James says. But our works must be done in faith. Those two things go hand in hand. That is true faith. So, beloved, the Lord Jesus Christ has come. He came to rescue us from the kingdom of darkness, to bring us into the kingdom of his glorious light. And true faith chooses Christ and his kingdom and chooses to live in it. It chooses to walk in it. Beloved, this takes action. This takes loyalty. This takes sacrifice. But beloved, our, our king offers a sure reward. A sure reward. Faith is certain that our king will fight for us. Faith is certain that our king will prevail. And faith is certain that he will certainly reward his people with salvation and eternal life. And so, beloved, put your faith in Christ and you will surely see your salvation. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Thank you that you are sovereign over all. And thank you that you have loved us enough to pursue after us and to make us your people. Help us to live with confidence in your sovereign power. Help us to submit ourselves wholly to your loving rule. Help us to live together as people in the kingdom together. Help us to encourage one another and walk in faithfulness together and help us to glorify you in all these things. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.